0: Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. So how many of you remember what we talked about last week about being uncomfortable? Did anybody try to do something that made you uncomfortable this week? Thank you. Thank you. We got to start get keep, get the fire burning, right? Um, so we're going to talk this morning not about being uncomfortable, but that's just the bedrock, like that's the foundation of what we're of what I'm building off of today. Okay? So if you if you're in an uncomfortable situation, you're most likely to feel God there because comfort doesn't breed revival. Comfort doesn't breed more sensitivity to the presence of God. Comfort doesn't make you want to strive to attain anything. If you're comfortable, you want to rest. That's what you want to do. Now, if we take that, we were talking about bridling our tongue. So we know that the most important thing we do on this walk Worship right up there with worship and praise and repentance. We have to bridle our tongue from saying things that defeat the purpose for which we have just prayed. Right? So now we're we're moved. We're we're in an uncomfortable zone. We're we've reached out to talk to somebody. What do you say? This is what you say. You tell them the gospel. And your testimony of how you were converted. Now, you say, why do I have to say that? You don't have to say that. But what I'm telling you is, if you do, the Bible says there's power in the gospel. So sometimes we've heard the gospel so many times that, I don't know, God forbid, but we're cold to it. Right? We just say, well, you know, Jesus died for your sins. And he died for all the world's sins. And um, we appreciate it. Right? That's what a cold Christian says. Thank you, Lord. When you come to church, you can't even thank him for that again. You, you say, I've already thanked him for that. That's not what he wants. He did not do all that for you to say, I thanked you already. That was two weeks ago. I thanked you. I'll thank you again in a little bit. I don't want to keep saying the same thing. No, the Lord said, and that's why uh church I'm just going to call us churched people right because in that is a mixture you've got passion you've got sleepiness you've got you know dancing and worship and you've got uh, no movement whatsoever don't know if they're alive or dead just they're, they're there and we thank god for that so when you are when you are ready now you're in an uncomfortable moment because you've stepped into it because discomfort is now what we seek we seek discomfort because when we're there we're leaning in on god right that's when you that's when that's when the red sea opens up when you're uncomfortable when you're miserable when you're terrified whatever it is that is the moment that god comes to our rescue so you're, let's say you've, you said, I'm gonna, I've been willing to, to tell my boss my testimony for so long. And today when we get off work, we, sometimes when we walk to the car together, I'm going to just ask them if I could share this with them. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to tell them, and I just, I've been looking forward to telling them this. So now you've done it. You, you, you're walking out with your boss, and you go, I, I wanted to tell you something. And just remember this. To start a witness, you just pretend like you've been talking about this kind of thing every day. You just come right up. It's, it's just this ongoing thing. So they, you're walking out with them and you go, there's been something I wanted to tell you. So then it's not awkward, right? Yeah. It's like you were talking two minutes ago, even if you weren't. So it's an easy in. Yeah. It's an assumed in. Yeah. And the people that can do this... Um, they got heads up on others because they don't have to be so formal in order to speak. So you just assume, uh, I, I can already tell I like you. So, you know, walk into that. So now that you're there, you start telling them, say, I, would, I used to be this, that, and the other, and God save me. You know, when he, um, in this place that I was at, and don't skim it. Don't you need to have several versions. A really short version, a medium length version, and then the version, the version when you are fixing to, I mean, the power of God's on you, and you're gonna tell it. Okay? Now God can use any one of those three things. But you want to be prepared because you're gonna be already uncomfortable because we seek that now, right? Everybody say seek discomfort. seek discomfort. Seek discomfort. Comfort, I can't talk this morning. Seek discomfort. Now, I'm going to help you. Say I am going to seek discomfort. Say it. Now, why would anybody ever do that? Because God's there. That's what we've said. So at this point, you have the gospel. And this is what people that have been in the church for a long time, we, we have forgotten that the Bible says there's power in the gospel to save. So you want to, t- you want to get that practiced up in a manner that, you, that it even stirs up an emotion within you as you tell it. And, and at this at this point, it doesn't matter whether you feel nothing right then that it's just always remember this: when you 're laying hands on the sick, you can feel absolutely nothing as far as emotions doesn't matter god god 's not in all that. We think that if we reach this certain level of fervency, there he is certain amount of faith, fervency, and we 're just like trembling with the power you don't need that. For the sick to be healed. If you have it. Enjoy every second of it. But if you don't. It's not necessary. It's just obedience right. Now how do you know whether or not. You're a believer or an unbeliever. I bet every one of you guys. In the here today. Think you're believers of Jesus Christ. I bet everyone in this building. Believes in the gospel. Now. How do I know if I'm an actual believer? If you practice doing and actually do the stuff you said for us to do. Because if I'm, let's say you know that God can heal, and you'll just walk around telling everybody, God's a healer, God's a healer, God's a healer. But every sick person that comes to you, you don't stretch out your hand. You don't say, in the name of Jesus, get up out of that wheelchair, let's walk. You don't, that is not a believer. Now, we've we've fostered this among the, um, you know, among the church people. we fostered this idea that you could just speak belief. But that's not belief. If I am in this church and it's dark, and I know there's a snake in here somewhere, and it's poisonous, okay? And it's dark. And I keep, and you're with me, and I keep telling you, if, when I turn that light on, it's going to be bright enough in here for us to see the snake. Because we need to know where he is. If I just keep reiterating that to you, I would be the most annoying person on earth. Right? Oh, if I turn, you see, feel for the light, feel for the light. I'm feeling, okay, okay. Okay, we found the light. Let's flip it on. This is when you're laying hands on someone to declare healing into their life, right? So you go, I'm going to flip this light on. And you flip the light on, but nothing happens. Do you still get credit? Okay. So now you know, hey, this light didn't work when I flipped it on. Something else is wrong. Let's find that. And you just keep going, hmm, wonder if um, the breaker, wonder if it could be the breaker. Let's try to fix it with the breaker. Let's turn the light on. And then you're either walking around here going, I know there's a snake in here. Oh, God. I'm just going to sit here and wait for someone to save me. But you don't know when someone's coming. And you need to get out of here. If you go out there and you say, that's, it's not the breaker. We tried it. And then you say, we need to go try um, the light bulb. I wonder if this light bulb could be burnt out. But you're still. I'm going to do it. I'm doing this. It'll, if I hit that just right, it's coming on. The light's coming on. The light will turn on. I know that. Do you see the difference of us just saying, I believe the light will turn on. I believe God's a healer. Rather than just belief when you actually believe something. You depend on it. You need it. We need electricity. I want it. If it goes out, go to the breaker. If it goes to the breaker, see if the whole neighborhood's out. How long we got now call them. See what we got to do. See how long it's going to last here. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Seek discomfort. Have a message that includes the gospel Have your testimony prepped and ready in your mind. If you have to write it out, kind of look it through and see how you can add the gospel into your testimony. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And now we know the gospel has power in it to save. That story, that little story that you can make it big or little, that story has power in it to save. And if you just go forth doing it, you go, well, I pray for that blind, per- that blind person. If I see her tomorrow, I'm praying for her again. She, her eyes didn't open right this time, but it could open in the night. And, it, and I'm going to pray for her again tomorrow. And as many times as they let you pray, keep doing it. Don't feel embarrassed. Seek the discomfort. Because you don't know which day. You don't know which time. It could be one more time, and the healing comes. So seek discomfort. Get your gospel ready, because you know what? You better be prepared to preach it. We're not the only ones who have to preach it. All the people of God have to preach the gospel. God bless you in Jesus' name.
1: Awesome. Awesome word that is so true. Pentecostal folk get frustrated at non-Holy Ghost-filled Christians, and we encourage them sometimes, hey, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to get the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. It's not all the time is that a welcomed message. Well, we need to, whenever we point a finger this way, we got a few fingers pointing back. Amen. Did you know it's possible to get the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost not get you? book of Job, chapter number 11. I'm going to read from uh, chapter 11, verse 7, 41, verse 1, chapter 38, verses 31 through 35, and f- 42 and 2. And I'm going to read a series of rhetorical questions. And we're going to answer the question, the answer of a rhetorical question is implied in the asking of it Job 11 and 7 can you this is the Lord speaking search out the deep things of God can you find out the limits of the Almighty and everybody says I can't job 41 and 1 can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you lower you not he you i can't job 38 verse 31 can you bind in the new king james it calls it sweet influences of the pleiades uh, and king new king james calls it the cluster of the pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? I can't. Verse 32, can you bring out Mazaroth in his season? I can't. Or can you guide the great bear with his cubs? I can't. Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? I can't. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? I can't. Can you send out lightnings that they may go? I can't. Verse chapter 42 and 2. But I know, this is Job speaking now, that you can do everything. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. My subject this morning is, when you can't, God can. Let's ask the power of His name. Precious God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for the power of the Word of God. We believe, O Lord, that you're in this place to do a great and mighty work in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Shake someone's hand. Greet them. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise God. First chapter of the book of Job. Job's one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, actually. Chapter one says, there was a man from the land of Uz. A lot of speculation upon, you know, is it Edom, when Job may have lived? Um, Did he live sometime between... The disembarkment of Noah and his family, and uh, the the uprising of Nimrod—it's really hard to know because he has no past, and he, and his lineage isn't tr- traced throughout the Word of God. But he most certainly—but he really—he's related to all of us. You say what well, the lineage of Job is—the lineage of people who 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 try to do the right thing and they get the wrong results. All right. All right. Somebody say, us. Uh. Actually, I don't know if that's slang for us, but really, he comes from the land of us. All right. yeah. All right. Because us and people, you know, we've had, we've had setbacks. <laughs> we've had people that said they were our friends, but they really weren't our friends in the end. We did our best to, you know, sacrifice and pray and believe that certain things would never happen. And lo and behold, the very thing that we prayed God not to ever let happen. In some cases, it happened. All I can say is welcome to the land of us. I thank God that we're not, but see, if this is just the land of us and it was just us, And I was just a motivational speaker and all I was trying to do was help you tap into your own potential. You know what I would do if I were you, if that's all this was, I'd get up and leave. Because we need more than us. Hallelujah. Because there's so much I can't do. There's so much you can't do. Even together, there's a lot we can't do. But everything that we can't do, I know a God who can. Does anybody believe here that there's a God who can? A God who can set captives free. A God who can heal the sick. A God who can bring financial prosperity and abundance into your life. A God who can bring you a, fl- a friend or a husband or a wife or a job or, or an encourager. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give a hand clap to the God who can. And so uh, we find Job in the land of us. And then he starts to, you know, then he trouble hits him. And then now beca- it's a land of us. But then it's a the land of, Huh? <laughs> You ever been in the land of, huh? You ever lived long enough to discover God isn't making sense? Has he ever asked you for your Isaac? Has he ever told you something that was so stupendous and so unbelievable, like Sarah, that you laughed? Ha! Chapter 38 begins with a call for Job to account for his whereabouts. Where were you? He wants God to speak to him. Oh God, where are you, God? Where are you, God? I look to the right, you weren't there. I looked to the left, you weren't there. I looked behind me, you weren't there. I looked ahead, you weren't there. Where are you? Talk to me, God. And then God opens his mouth and the whirlwind in Job 38 says, Where were you? Genesis begins the story of God's hunt for Adam. Where are you? You know, we're one of three places. We either, we either are here or, we're, or, or, or we're, we're somewhere else or we're out yonder in the future. God is in the business of locating. Did you know? Before you find Jesus Christ and the power of redemption and the gospel and the death and burial and resurrection and your own repentance and burial in water in a watery grave in the name of Jesus and your own resurrection by the infilling of the Holy Ghost, did you know that you were lost? And you might not have known you were lost, but God knew where you were. God, God didn't ask Job, where were you, because he lost track of him. Oh, no. Was, he wanted Job to know where he'd been. Come on, somebody. I read an article. I think this took place in, in 2012. And uh, in, they found the body of Timothy Henry Gray under a Union Pacific Railroad overpass in Evanston, Wyoming. I don't know if you knew that story. Maybe so. Gray was 60 years old, and they were looking for him because he had actually been uh, determined to be one of the heirs of a New York high society uh, woman by the name of Huguette Clark. And he had a $19 million inheritance waiting on him. And when they found him, it was too late. And I thought about that and I said, Henry, where were you when they cut a check with your name on it and you didn't, and somehow you didn't get the memo? Somebody needs to get the memo. Don't miss this moment. Because there is reserved for everyone here an abundant store beyond, above all that we could ask or think. He became poor so that by his poverty you could become rich. Where? Don't let this day go by. And then ask, where was I? I'm telling you, if you're here, your hands ought to be in the air. If you're here, you ought to be saying, forgive me, Jesus. If you're here, you ought to be saying, Lord, I need you right about now. Come on, somebody, give him some praise. And so the book of Job is an absolute marvel to me, just by way of uh, a refresher. There's six quick lessons you can take away from the book of Job or from Job's life. It might serve you to remember this. And that is when things go wrong, don't blame God. Try not to blame. You know what? Don't blame your neighbor. Don't blame, blame your brother, sister, church. Don't ever blame the pastor. Don't blame yourself sometime. I'll tell you what, you'll never go wrong putting the blame on the devil. <laughs> He accuses you of stuff you didn't have done, you haven't done. Blame him for stuff he may or may not have done. Let him deal with it. Don't blame. I want to tell you today, don't blame God. Maybe you have. Maybe I have at time in my life. But don't do it. Don't do it. Job's life tells us don't do that. Number two, prayer will always win in the end. When Job prayed, God turned his captivity. Praise God. Talk may not win in the end. Defending yourself with elaborate arguments may not be a guarantee that it'll get you where you need to go. Come on. Just becoming philosophical about life isn't the answer. Let me tell you what the answer is. Pray. When Job prayed, he turned it. Oh, I said prayer's a winner. Prayer will win in the end. Uh, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging. It isn't over until you're finished praying. Somebody put a prayer out there. Come on, put a prayer out. You shall have whatsoever you say. Say it and receive it in Jesus' name. Number three, your life is in God's hands and his purpose will be fulfilled in your life. Circumstances may have led you to believe that your life isn't gonna amount to very much. Experience may have told you every time I try, I end up a failure. Time may be against you most of my days have already passed me by and look at where i am but can i tell you something job's story reminds us that it's never too late for god to turn it all around and when god got through with job he had twice as much abundance he was blessed with children and family come on somebody i want to tell you something it's not too late for God to turn your life around. If your life is headed nowhere, if your circumstances are, are filling you with grief and worry, it's not too late. If you will submit your life and your future to God, He can turn your life around. And by this time next year, you won't even be able to recognize you for the things that God has done. Does anybody need God to turn your circumstances around? Would you shout, Turn my life around, Jesus? Hallelujah. Number four, the lesson from the book of Job is God speaks to us through our dreams. Job 33, verses 14 and 15 says, For God does speak. Now one way, now another. Though no one perceives it in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people. Don't be afraid to dream. And don't forget the dream that God has given you. And if someone speaks a word into your life, and that word resonates with you, and especially if it inspires your faith, put it down somewhere. Every one of us ought to have a dream and vision journal somehow of things that we've seen and felt, things that others have seen and felt for us, things that we have dreamed. Oh, I want to say it again. (laughs) God speaks to us through our dreams. Don't forget. Woo! What was it that you dreamed about that seems like it never happened? I want to tell you, it just hasn't happened yet. That's right. Amen. There are 21 dreams in your Bible, 10 of them happened in the first book. Hallelujah. I said 10 of the dreams happened early on in the unfolding drama of God's experience with the human race. You need to go back to a childhood dream. Somebody needs to go back to a teenage. Somebody needs to remember something that God showed you many, many years ago. Woo! I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Watch this. Out of the 21 dreams, 10 of them happened in the book of Genesis, and 6 of the dreamers were kings. Out of the dreams in the Bible, only one was a woman. She happened to be a governor's wife, the wife of Pilate. Not Pilate Mountain. A Pilate, in the Bible, who ruled over Jesus' circumstance before he was sent to the cross, and she dreamed the Jesus nightmare. That's right. I said, she dreamed the Jesus nightmare. What was the Jesus nightmare? We're persecuting an innocent man. We're lifting our hand against a man who doesn't deserve the sentence that we're about to pronounce upon him. We're about to take the life of a man who gave his life for others. Let me tell you, don't live the Jesus nightmare. The Jesus nightmare is say, I want to, it's my life. It's my party, I'll do what I, oh. This is why I don't sing. It's not your life. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. You, you, you have the gift of life. What is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little season and then vanishes away. Don't you know that had it not been for the grace of God, you wouldn't be... You wouldn't be conscious. You wouldn't be present. You wouldn't be here. Hey Amen. I, that's not my life. I can't do that. It's a Jesus nightmare. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Let me tell you something. I owe my very existence uh, to the man they call Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to sacrifice him for me. I'm going to sacrifice me for him. Number five, when in doubt, repent. Job recognized his need to repent in Job 42 and 6 and said, Therefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and in ashes. And that was the beginning of the beginning. The end of you is the beginning of your life. When you don't know what to do and you want to punch somebody out or you want to, you know, give up on life, don't just fall on your face and repent and ask God to have mercy. Oh, Hallelujah. It all began with repentance, didn't it? Back then. Well, guess what? It begins again with repentance and again and again and again. And number six when you can't, God can. (laughs) God is in the business of bringing you to the limit. What is it about thrill-seekers? We might have some here. I had an uncle. He parachuted. What? I don't even want to fly in one of them little planes he went in, much less jump out of it. What is it about people that want to go to the North Pole? Not even polar bears want to go to the north, Pole. what the what's wrong with you? Or Mount Everest? I would like to go to Mount Everest. I really would. I told my wife, the base of Mount Everest, base camp. Why do you want to climb and jeopardize your health and take a, maybe a 25% chance of not even coming back? Why would you want to spend over a year's salary to get there and then maybe die up there? And then there's guys even crazier than that. They want to go with no oxygen tanks. Whew, you get me acting like some of them, they get all that hypoxia and nuttiness. You better watch out, I'll steal yours. Because these people that are thrill-seekers, they say there's no, you're never more alive than when you're surfing the face of a 50-foot wave or climbing Mount Everest, you're in the danger zone, you're in the discomfort zone. And so they put an ad out and they said, uh, who wants to go to Mars? I would can't ever come back, I do, are you crazy? Yeah, but the earth is, the, yeah, but the earth is getting old and, you know, we, we're, the ozone hole is going to get us. And we're going to fix Mars up. And you're crazy again. The place is dead. There's nothing to breathe. Why don't you work on this place? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. But I want to say, I, I say, say that I, you know, I, I think I'm slightly disturbed by heights, slightly, heights challenged. We, I, we, I don't know. We had the scaffold in here one day, and I, I decided I was going to climb up there and try to see what was wrong with one of those things. Climbing up was easy. I couldn't come down. It's, a, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's the cheapest scaffold that money can buy. It weighs about as much as a bicycle. You're way up there. It had a ladder on the back. And I literally envisioned myself trying to get on the ladder on the back and doing a wheelie. And I thought, I don't want people to find me dead right here in the sanctuary. And then they come to the funeral, and they say, what did he die from? I'm, I don't know. The guy was on the stupid. <laughs> Nobody was here. So I called Jim to come help me. I said, hurry up. <laughs> I waited for two hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I forgave him. He's busy. It's funny. Here I am. Nora's nowhere. No. Usually somebody's patrolling around here. All I needed was someone to hold the other end. But you know what? Some of the most meaningful experiences that you will ever have. Is on the other side of your fears. And God cannot take you where He wants you to go without taking you right through bear country, lion country, danger zones. The book of Job was about God taking a man from fear to faith. If you read about it from the very beginning, third chapter, Job sacrificed continuously. Why? Because he was afraid. He was afraid that his children would backslide and they would give up on God. That fear was pulsing through him from the very start. And God said, you know, you can go through a lot of religious commotion, but if fear is at the base of it all, are you here because you're afraid of burning in hell? You better think of a better reason before long, because that's not a good enough one to keep you more than a year or two. You're going to have to fall in love with somebody called Jesus. And so the book of Job is about taking Job from fear all the way to faith. That's right. Hallelujah. And life is about going from fear to faith. Come on, you men. Remember when you were a boy and you were scared to ask her out on a date? Remember when you stood around like this? Sup. <laughs> you were paralyzed. You lost your voice. You lost your nerve. Is there anybody that's happily married and loved that didn't have to go through a fear phase somewhere along the way? You have to. What if they're not the one? Well, you got about two days and three hours to get. What about financial independence? Do you think it's easy for people to start businesses? I remember when Joe changed his career, I was worried. Sometimes I worry about things I shouldn't. Since I'm confessing, you can confess yours to God. But he had a family, children. And he's going to change a good job for a better one. But, you know, there's always that. I remember when Savannah, she was applying for, uh, for law school. And, uh, and, you know, we're praying, oh, God, you know, keep her close. She's already decided. I'm not going anywhere but this one school. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> she had the faith. I, Dad, just, And it came through. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Faith is designed to take you to your fears and then go through your fears and get you on the other side of your fear. Isn't that what happened with the children of Israel? God took them out of Egypt, then took them to the borders at Kadesh Barnea, and then their fears cropped up. Oh, yeah, it's good land. It's got a lot of grapes, got a lot of fields, got a lot of cities, but there's giants over there, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight, and we just can't do it. Come on, and this is what happens in the kingdom. He fills us with the Holy Ghost, and then he takes us through our... Fears one by one by one, and the last fear that needs to fall is the fear of having apostolic ministry in public. Don't let the devil stop you short at the day of Pentecost. You gotta get to the third chapter, you gotta get to confrontations with sorcerers, you gotta get to the jail cell being shaken. God is taking us, uh, amen, through our fears into the place of Holy Ghost ministry. Don't, I feel this in the spirit, don't let fear, your fear become your limit. Your flesh is designed to keep you safe. It is. That's why when you hear a noise outside, you get the flashlight and you don't send your wife out there. And you see what's going on. The fight or flight mechanism is your body trying to keep you alive. Okay? Physically safe. Say it with me. My flesh, My flesh. is working, working to keep me physically safe. But that's not what your spirit is doing. Your flesh wants you to be safe. Your spirit wants you to be saved. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you listened, uh, amen, to the spirit uh, and you sought God and you found Him in the power of Holy Ghost salvation? if you're here just looking for a better life, you better, you better recalibrate what you're searching for. You better come looking for a relationship with a Savior, Jesus Christ, who was, who was unjustly condemned to death, who was beaten and scourged and nailed to an old rugged tree, who took upon himself the sins of all mankind and who triumphed over death and hell, amen, and who has unleashed This mighty, holy ghost power that we can feel. Oh, come on, somebody. So God will bring you to a soul-threatening experience in order to set your spirit free. Paradox is this. Fear often attracts the very thing that we're afraid of. Do you fear failure? Then don't do anything. And then by not doing anything, you'll never be a success. And so you'll be a failure. So the very thing that stopped you from doing anything will create the context of failure. I don't know about you, but I'm not gonna let Satan hijack my life. Not one more minute, not one more day. No, no, this life has been dedicated to Jesus Christ. Amen. Huh. Yeah, oh well, it's, You know, I've made a deal with the devil. Have you really? You better tear up that contract. You better disannul your covenant with hell. You better say, "Uh uh-uh. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you, you say, well, I get scared. I'll tell you something scarier than that. And that is if you put your life on autopilot and you become a prisoner to the same old patterns day in and day out, and then you get to the end of life and you never did anything, amen, for God or for people. Hallelujah. Did you know that fear is pointing the way? in the direction of your next breakthrough. Come on. If you could change something in your life without absolutely no repercussion and no fear of any failure, what would you change? Change it by faith. Hallelujah. I put this up the other day. A recent study found that fears are liars. Your fears are lying to you again. Research went on and they found out that uh, that, out of, that nine out of ten worries are false alarms. 90% of the things that people expected bad things to happen to them never happened at all. My God. Don't let fear lie to you another day. Don't be afraid of commitment. Don't be afraid of prayer. Don't be afraid of serving God. Don't be afraid of giving. Don't be afraid of loving. Don't be afraid of forgiving. My God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so Job said, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. I'm not, I'm not, tell, I'm not saying you're bad because you've been afraid. I'm saying you've been afraid because you're human. But the problem is our imagination stops too soon, when the enemy comes in like a flood. Don't stop there. Push your imagination a little further. The spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Whoa. Come on, somebody. Let your imagination take you past the thing that brings you fear and that brings you. Let it bring you to the realm of faith. In the name of Jesus. Remember when you got COVID? <coughs> Remember how tough you were? I ain't nothing. <coughs> were you afraid? I was a little bit. I put the thing on my finger. Checked my oxygen. Ooh, Going down. In the name of Jesus, God, you to bring it back up. Did the problem with our imagination? It's guess what? Some people suffered greatly from it. We lost personal friends and ministers. I'm not minimizing that, but we made it through. Many of us thought maybe it's our time, but guess what? Fear lied again. Somebody praise the Lord for the truth, the truth is in the promises. The truth is in the word of God. All right, I'm gonna wrap it up. I want us to stand. Job's greatness was on the other side of his pain. Job's future was on the other side of his failures. And God asked him a series of rhetorical questions. He asked him to look at the constellations. He asked him, can you loose. Can, can you loose the bands of Orion? Can you bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Orion Pleiades was the, was, was, was the constellation that came at springtime. Orion was the one that came at winter. Orion just put his straps and tried to hold back. The spring. But, the, but spring would get sprung somehow like it does every year. What is that saying? God's plan is to keep you somewhere between the Pleiades and Orion. Somewhere between the bitter frost of winter and the warmth and the life uh, flood of spring. Isn't it a series of that? Somewhere between freedom and submission. Someone between hope and fear. Somewhere between life and death. What season are you in today? One time the word influence is used in your Bible, and there it is. God's not interested in us gaining influence. Human influence hasn't ever saved a soul. It never will. Jesus didn't say, I give unto you influence. He said, behold, I give unto you power. (laughs) Guess what? If anything, God's church didn't have a whole lot of influence. But oh, did it have power. I want to tell somebody who's convinced you're a nobody. Who cares if you have power? The word influencer is a brand new thing in the dictionary. Why? Because of internet people. Look at this hairspray. Shh. <laughs> look at this shave cream. And the money rolls in. I, look, It's make it fair and square. If you do it and you become rich, go ahead. Don't influence to go to hell. That's all I'm saying. But my point is... you need power. So a man was lost in the wilderness in Colorado. Hiking group was traveling between Surprise Lake and um, Cataract Lake in Colorado. One of their team members got lost. They became concerned, so they called the rescue helicopter for help. Helicopter traveled over. And then there in their grid searching for the missing hiker, they, they, saw, they saw a fellow that looked like he might fit the description. They hovered over him, and he, and, he, and he did this. And the helicopter pilot said to the co-pilot, well, I guess he's okay. He's waving us hello. Because according to survival expert James Madville, if you're in trouble and you need to be rescued, you don't do this. You do this. He said, you gotta put both hands over. Some of us wanna be rescued like this. Does anybody need a rescue? (laughs) Does anybody need the Holy Ghost Air Force to come and pull you out? Put your hands in the air and cry out to God and get power. Whoever wants power, I want you to put your hands in the air and come walk to the front. You need power. This is not a job for a man. This is not a job even for a policeman. This is a job for the God-man, Jesus. Come on, rescue me, help me, save me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. I need some help. Get me on the other side of my pain. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. He's lifting you. He's lifting somebody this morning.